Today on the Province Crier Podcast, welcome to 2020. We made it. Um, we'll, we'll give a quick recap of PC's game against Texas, wrapping up their non-conference play. We'll take a look at the at the Big East as a whole. Um, you know, some storylines, some surprising teams going into uh, conference play, which uh, starts up this week. And then we'll end with a little segment on New Year's resolutions. The crier will provide a New Year's resolution for all the friars that are seeing significant minutes uh, this year. So that should be fun. But for now, let's eat. Man up in my city on the roof, yeah. David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe. The Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The The Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Episode of the Province Crier. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Surrett, the Province Crier himself. You can follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier, as well as catch up on the blog, um, that's at uh, theprovincecrier.wordpress.com. First, I want to start off with a little apology from the Crier that I didn't have an episode last week for you loyal listeners. Um, as you may have saw on Twitter, I got a little behind on my Christmas shopping. Um, and with, with the holiday being on a Wednesday, which is kind of weird, um, just not enough time in the day to get it done. So I apologize, but we are back. Today is Wednesday, January 1st, 2020. Um, thank God it's the new year for the Friars. Um, non-conference schedule, obviously, is not gone the way Many had expected for the Friars, um, but here we are. Um, they, they got Big East play coming up against Georgetown on Tuesday. Um, I'm recording on Wednesday at the moment, um, given the holiday and my New Year's plans and all that. Um, so, unfortunately, there will be no no reaction to PC's Big East opener against Georgetown. But, um, we'll, you know, we'll cover the Big East a little bit. Um, but first let's get back to that the PC's last game that they played in against Texas at the dunk last Saturday. Um, well, not this past Saturday, the one before it, actually, they had a whole week off for uh, Christmas break there, but the Friars get the win 70 to 48 against Texas. Now I'm just going to say this, you know, the Criers been getting a lot of heat for his predictions, especially the prior, or the crier of prophecy, final four, 2020, not looking so hot, but I will say 
I gotta give myself a little credit here because I pretty much nailed the prediction on on the PC Texas game. Texas comes in, they're nine and one. You know, the Friars are at six and six, having a terrible non-conference schedule. Texas, meanwhile, went into Mackey Arena and beat Purdue. Um, you know, th- their one loss was actually PC's next opponent in Georgetown. Um, but they come in with a good record, um, solid non-conference showing out of Texas. Once in the top 25 uh, at one point of the year, we're not when we face them. But, um, you know, I, I, I kind of saw this coming. Um, PC last year goes to Austin, essentially gets a wire-to-wire win. Texas made it a little close um, in the end, but, but pretty much PC led throughout the game. And, you know, I looked at Texas's roster and they lost some serious talent from last year. Um, Kerwin Roach, uh, Dylan Ostrowski, um, then Jackson Hayes, who, who ends up being a lottery pick. So there's a lot of talent to replace in Texas. And, I mean, mostly they just had role guys that, that, that were on the team last year. And then the addition of Andrew Jones, who was out all last year uh, due to cancer. But, um, you know, I, I just felt like a lot of production that has to be made up from all their players that left last year, their top three scorers. And I, I just – I'm not blown away by Texas' roster. And sure enough, they come in. Um, you know, Texas gets a quick 5-1 to one lead. And then from there on out, it's just a blowout. Um, Friars led comfortably throughout, played a little bit slop, sloppy in the second half, but did plenty um, to, to really cruise to a 22-point victory. Um, and, you know, the, the thing that, that stood out, and, you know, me and my, my friend Joe Niedemeyer, um, you, you can catch on the roadside reactions, um, he said it, and I, I totally agree with him. It's not like PC played an out-of-this-world game. They really didn't, um, you know, the, from the floor, they shot 38%, 39%. It'll be nice to round up. Uh, from three, 38%, that was at least good to see, 8 of 21. Um, the free throw line continues to be an issue, but we won't talk about that. At this point, squarely on Diallo. I mean, Watson was missing a bunch of free throws uh, when he first got back from injury, but at this point, Dallas got to figure it out. Like he's a way better free throw shooter, but he pretty much brought the number down for PC. The good thing is he is getting the line, which is huge for us. But um, but yeah, not like a dominant like out of this world shooting performance. They just played really stout, good defense. Um, held Texas only thirty one percent. Granted, Texas did miss some open ones, so let's not you know sit here and just say. PC just locked them down all game, but um, very good de- defensive effort. In my opinion, their best defensive effort since the opening night against Sacred Heart. Um, guys seem more locked in in this one. They end up they were flying after loose balls. End up getting ten steals. Um, so the defense is really good, and they end up crushing Texas on the glass, fifty-two thirty-nine. Um, you know that's that's more predicated pre- on the fact that Texas shot 30% from the floor. Um, going to be a lot of chances for rebounds, but Alfa Diallo, he led the team with 12 boards. Um, 
Young chipped in 10, Watson chipped, chipped in 7. E- even Pipkins got got six boards. So a, a really good effort. Actually, Emmett Holt, he had nine rebounds. So Friars almost had three players in double-digit rebounding, which is pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in my opinion, this is going to have to be the recipe for them going into Biggie's play, you know, if they can just keep the shooting numbers respectable, they, they don't have to be good. <laughs> they literally don't even have to be good. They just have to be okay. Um, you know, if they can just keep those percentages from the floor and from deep um, respectable and just play good defense, they should be able to win games. Um, you know, they're obviously going to need a lot of wins. They're going to need to rack up the wins in conference play, but um, you know, this is definitely a step in the right direction. It's just so it's just so damn frustrating that you know we had to watch the team we watched the first twelve games of the season, and then you know finally they, they got a good opponent at home, and you know that's the kick and ass they need to to play a complete game. Um, so you know, thirteen games in, we've really only seen them play well, like a complete game in two. So the first one and the most recent one, but so ends a uh, 2020 for the Friars, uh, or excuse me, 2019 for the Friars. Um, We'll get to those new year's resolutions um, for 2020 for your Friar players. Um, That should be a fun segment there, but let's uh, move our attention over to the big East. Um, you know, I'm recording on, like I said, I'm recording on a Monday just because of um, tomorrow being New Year's Eve. Um, so Biggie's play actually got underway tonight with uh, Nova hosting Xavier. I actually had some money on the game. I took Nova laying five and a half points. They currently lead by eight with 56 seconds left. So um, if you hear me yell, it's probably because I lost my bet somehow. Uh, but yeah, the, the opener, I, I was watching some of the game, Nova, you know, they, they looked really good. They, it was pretty interesting because Xavier didn't, you know, didn't want to get beat by Nova from deep, but it just allowed all these, you know, openings around, around the hoop. Um, and Nova was just picking them apart, taking advantage of it, getting guys on back cuts, um, and then, you know, pick their spots from three. Um, and it's one of those games where you thought Nova would end up blowing them out uh, in their Big East opener. Um, and pretty much every time you thought it was going to be a blowout, Xavier just crept back in with a run. Um, they're a tough nose great team. I, I really like Xavier. Um, you know, I, I didn't know too much, you know, what to think of them. Last year, they were actually in a similar situation as Providence was where they had a pretty crappy non-conference schedule and then came out the gates um, or, you know, down the stretch and Biggie's play really turned it on and ended up having a decent season and up going to the NIT, which obviously that's not a Friars goal, but um, you know, maybe PC can take a page out of their book and uh, try and turn the season around late when it counts. So, but um, yeah, Every single time it felt like Nova was going to run away with it, Xavier kept crawling back. But, um, you know, another year here we are. I I think, you know, from non-conference play, it's pretty clear to see 
Yeah, Villanova is definitely the best team in the Big East, the class of the Big East. Um, you know, they're the highest ranked team in for good reason. Although, correct me if I'm wrong, like, I'm pretty sure Butler's pretty high up there too. They're having a great year. Talk about a surprise. If you look at the Big East, the entire conference is pretty uh, surprising. And, of course, Xavier hits a three, and now Villanova leads by five. Great. But anyways, um, you know, you talk about when this AP poll just came out, um, the, the most recent one, nine of the ten teams receive consideration for the top 25 which sucks to be that 10th team when that team is your team, the Friars. Um, but, you know, the conference really flexed their muscles, this non-conference schedule. And it was big because last year the conference definitely had a down year, and it was because a lot of young players. Um, but, you know, so far I think it's a really good bounce back uh, for the league. And so, yeah, so you have Nova um, – as the highest ranked Big East team at 10. Um, but Butler's right behind them at 11. 12 and 1, like I said, very surprising start by them. Um, we all know Kamar Baldwin is a star player, but really didn't know much like what they would get out, what, what they would get from their role guys. And, and they're really stepping up. Uh, Thompson, Jordan Tucker. Um, yeah, Butler's got a, a good team. Um, We'll see how it shakes out in Biggie's play. The Criers take on Butler's. They're a little, a little too soft for the Biggie's, but we'll see. Um, Laval Jordan seems to be pushing all the right buttons early. So, uh, and then if you look at the rest of the conf- er, conference in the top 25, um, none of the teams are in it. But like I said, literally all, all the other teams are, are, are getting a ton of votes. Xavier has the second most votes, not inside the top 25, at 58. DePaul right behind him with 47. Um, Marquette, you know, Marquette was supposed to be a top five team. And unfortunately for them, they happen to have a point guard that must be a ball hog because the Hauser brothers end up leaving Marquette. Um, But they've had a strong start to the season. You know, who knows how good that will be, but – and then you look at Georgetown, PC's first opponent in Big East play. Talk about – I mean, they got to be the storyline of the conference so far in terms of the fact that they end up dismissing three of their players, including James Akinjo, who Jim Beheim didn't take much time to really criticize him as a, as a ball hog. And, you know, he thought, of course, Georgetown got better once they got rid of him, which is an interesting thing to say. You don't really see coaches – say that about um, opposing players. But, you know, Bayheim probably thinks he has tenure at this point. He can just say what he wants. But um, I find it interesting. Like, Bayheim's the one to talk. Like, dude, you haven't developed a guard since Michael Carter Williams. Okay? Like, let's be real here. Um, so, I mean, I don't think he should be criticizing point guards when he can't get a good one himself. But that's just me. But anyways, Georgetown... Um, you know, they dismiss two of the players. I think Akinjo left on his own. Um, and yet they've been hot. Um, they end up going on the road. They beat Oklahoma State on the road. They go to SMU. They beat them on the road. Um, 
Then they go beat Syracuse at Madison Square. Um, so really, they've turned their season around by getting rid of players, which is interesting. I mean, I, obviously, I wouldn't want to see anyone on PC leave, but it is interesting when you have less mouths to feed and roles are more defined um, that, that you can have success. Um, and so now they're led by Mac McClung. Uh, you know, you, they got the good wing in Jack and Mosley. And then you're at seven, uh, <laughs> the big guy down low. He's a, he's a load. So um, good for Georgetown. It, you know, we'll see how good they are. You know, if they can keep the hot streak going against PC. I personally think PC will win. Um, hopefully when you're listening to this, PC is off to a 1-0 start in the conference. But, um, you know, Georgetown, give them a ton of credit. They've been playing great. So, but, yeah, and, and then obviously probably the biggest the biggest surprise – there's so many surprises in this conference. You got DePaul, um, who they will play tonight against Seton Hall. Miles Powell, game-time decision. We'll see if he plays. I'm pretty sure Willard said probably not. But then he would play their next game. But um, but yeah, DePaul's off to a great start. I believe they're twelve and one. Um, you know, I, I saw them against uh, who? Who they play? Who they get in the Big Ten challenge or the the uh, the Big East Big Ten challenge here? They ended up. Hold on one moment here. This makes for great podcast content, I know. <laughs> Let me just quickly pull it up. As I frantically scroll down through the teams. Okay, so in the in the biggest uh, Big Ten challenge. DePaul goes to Iowa and just absolutely routes Iowa. Um, Iowa didn't get off to a great start, and, and they've kind of, you know, righted the ship since. But, I mean, that's a tough place to play. And to go in there and just blow them out, that was impressive. Um, the game I was referring to, though, was their home game against Texas Tech. I watched that. Um, really good game. Kind of a rock fight. Um, but, it, you know, it, it was a low, like, two or three point deficit for each team, like throughout the game. So they're trading hoops and then DePaul ends up pulling away late, but yeah, they're 12 and one. Um, and you know, they beat, they went to Minnesota. They won there. Um, they took care of business against Northwestern at home. Um, something fires couldn't do on the road. Um, and then they also went to BC and won. So, you know, DePaul had a real strong start and, for them, I think they want to get on the board quick and biggest play because, you know, they've been in the cellar for so many years. They really got to take advantage of their first couple games. And of course, they start with a two-game homestand, um, starting with Seton Hall uh, tonight on Monday. And then the Friars will pay them a visit, um, I believe, next Saturday. It could be wrong. Yes, next Saturday during the Patriot game, of course. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, the Biggies having a really good year outside your Friars. Um, St. John's, another team. Um, in one of my episodes in the beginning of the year, I said, you know, I, I think I picked St. John's to finish last in the Big East. 
But I did say that uh, Mike Anderson was a good hire, an interesting hire, but a good hire, I think. Um, you know, he, he plays that, that running gun, you know, full court press, just run you out the gym type basketball. And I think that could work in New York. I, I really do. Um, you can you can get the ball players in the area, in the New York area. We'll see how he recruits there. He's going to need some help from his assistants um, developing, you know, those connections in New York because, you know, obviously being an SEC guy, he probably doesn't recruit too much of the Northeast. So that would be interesting. But, you know, he had two really good players in LJ Figueroa and uh, Mustafa Heron returning for the Johnnies. And they've just had a great year as well. They're 11 and two. So um, it's pretty funny. Like the, the teams that were picked at the bottom are, are absolutely crushing it um, so far in non-conference play. Obviously that can change um, come conference play. Um, you know, having that, that grind of having a tough opponent every night, we'll see who's made for it to be honest. Um, for PC, I, I think it's a clean slate at this point, right? They just have to put what's in the past in the past and just focus on what they can do in Big East play. And I, hey, I think they can, you know, have a good season in, in, in uh, conference play. I really do. I think they can win, you know, 11, 12 games. I, I know that's saying a lot, but, um, you know, I, I feel like they're going to be a desperate team with a lot of seniors that have been around here before. So, like, I think that desperation, which we saw against Texas, Shaka Smart even said it himself, you know, they were a the desperate team, they were a the hungry team. If they can play with that edge going forward here, they definitely have the talent to rack up wins. So, um, it'll be an interesting conference the way it shakes out. Um the Big East tournament this year, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, Cause at this point, although I, you know, I said Nova's the class of the conference at this point, I, I could foresee any team in the Big East winning the Big East tournament. As crazy as that is to say, um, we'll see how conference play shakes up. Like I said, you know, one of these teams is going to have, is bound to have a bad record. Um, and a lot of these teams are going to beat up on each other but um, should make for a really fun winter um, for, with, with Big East Hoops. So I'm excited for that. But, uh, yeah, as we look forward to 2020, we will um, get the New Year's resolutions for every single Friar that plays. Um, I'm not going to do it for, for uh, Fonts and Dempsey. Sorry, guys. Even though um, Fonts did get some – Decent minutes the other day uh, when things weren't going well early. But, um, yeah, we'll get to those New Year's resolutions. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, We're going to finish off today's episode since it is 2020. We'll go with the Friars' um, New Year's resolutions for each of the Friars. So I went through the roster. in terms of, I did it in order of points per game. Um, and like I said, didn't include the walk-on. Sorry, guys. Um, also, Chris Monroe, you missed a cut too. 
<laughs> I mean, you're not playing enough for me to really have a resolution for you. But you'll get there. You know, hopefully the resolution for you should be to, to you know, keep working on that shot. And maybe you'll get your chance in a, in a big spot. Who knows? Beginning of the year, I said you would hit a big shot uh, somewhere down the line here. Doesn't look like it's going to happen, but um, keep yourself ready. But, um, all right, so we'll start with Jimmy Nichols. Um, obviously, I said this would be a list of guys getting serious playing time. Jimmy won't be playing for the rest of the season, but I felt like he was worth mentioning. Um, you know, dealing with a foot injury, PC's going to try and get the medical red shirt for Jimmy. So, for you, Jimmy, focus on the 2020-2021 season. That's all you can do at this point. Um, you know, you'll have – this full season to, to learn, um, you know, get better as a player in practice. And then, you know, you'll have the, a full another off season to keep working at it. Um, and hopefully, you know, in your red shirt sophomore year, um, which would be your junior year, we could have, we can expect to see some good things on the court from Jimmy. But I, I think we all kind of knew Jimmy Nichols was going to be a project as soon as we got him. Um, Guys, a lot of limbs, <laughs> not a lot of feel for the game, but, um, you know, who knows? I think a red shirt will, will do Jimmy good. So, Jimmy, focus on 2020, and we'll see it. We'll see you next season. But uh, moving on to Greg Gant, the freshman, um, you know, a lot of people in Friartown were, were clamoring for more minutes for Greg, more minutes for Greg. Why isn't Greg playing enough? And, look, I, I get it. I, I like what I've seen so far out of Greg Gant. But, um, you know, he gets a ton of minutes in the, the game against Florida and really doesn't do anything. Um, so my resolution for Greg would be uh, to be ready to be that difference maker come late February, early March, Big East tur- Tournament, the time where we're going to need you most. Um, you know, you look at in years past um, – with, with PC freshmen, you started to see them show a lot of signs towards the end um, of, of the Big East regular season, and then that filters into the Big East tournament, NCAA tournament, um, postseason hoops. So, um, you know, you, you hear a lot with, like, coach speak and announcer speak, I guess, that, you know, by the time late February, early March comes around, the freshmen aren't freshmen anymore. They're veterans. Um, you hear that a lot. And we've seen that with a handful of players in the PC program under Cooley. Um, you look at Duke last year uh, in his first Big East tournament game, had a good game, 16 points. Um, you go back, Diallo, you know, he was a difference maker. Come late in the season, he was getting a lot of minutes and becoming an X factor. Uh, Bentel. We saw some flashes of him in the Big East tournament. Um, I believe he had a double double in his Big East debut or Big East tournament debut. And then Henton. Um, well, Henton, Henton's kind of a different story because he was pretty much a great player from the jump as a freshman. But um, you saw him get more and more confident as the season went on as well. So, so for Greg, um, just be re- ready. To, you know, when your minutes are there, they might be scarce here as Friars are getting desperate, um, so I, they, they might tend to lean on the seniors more than you. But uh, you know, be ready when those minutes come available. Make, make the most out of them, 
and then come March, you know, we might need you to play a role here. So um, hopefully Red Gang can have follow the similar path that we've seen from fire freshmen in the past, where come the end of the season, they're starting to make the impact. They're starting to show you what they're capable of. All right, moving on to our starting big man, Khalif Young. I know he's low on the list, but he's literally the, well, I guess we'll throw out Nichols. Essentially, he's the second lowest points per game player on the team, but he starts for us. But uh, for Khalif, you know, I've always said this about Khalif. He's a really good backup big man. Um, Good rebounder, you know, good rim runner, plays hard. um, You know, definitely something of a guy you want coming off the bench. But his defense, like, his on-ball defense, defending in the paint, uh, not much to be desired. Uh, And, you know, he's going to have to step it up because um, the Big East has got a lot of talented big men. Um, You look at your your seven at um, Georgetown, the NC State transfer, um, really skilled big, can score a ton of size. So um, he's a problem. Paul Reed, really dynamite player, might be an NBA player for, for DePaul. Um, Paul Reed's an absolute beast, walking double-double. Um, Tyreek Jones, who Khalif Young has actually had success with uh, in the past, but but he's you know averaging a double-double this year. So. And then you look at Seton Hall, they have some big guys too. So Khalif Young, you're going to have to work on that defense, buddy. Uh, so, and you know, obviously I think – his minutes are going to dip um, just because Nate Watson's getting healthier and healthier, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, Khalif, just play your role. Um, do what you do well, but try and improve that defense if you can in 2020. All right, moving on to AJ Reeves. And for AJ, it's pretty simple. It's he's got to find a swagger. He's lost his mojo like Austin Powers. Um He's got to find it. Um, You know, it's crazy. Like, it feels like his coming out party, you know, in the beginning of last season, that just seems so far in the rearview mirror. And it sucks because he was a kid, big smile on his face, drilling threes, you know, had confidence, not so much cockiness, but but you can tell he he was pretty confident in himself, Um, you know, Ice in his veins. That game against BC on the road last year was nuts. Um, he hits that huge three to send it to overtime, sticking the tongue out. Like, that's the AJ Reeves we need to get back. We need to get back fast because for a team that's had trouble scoring, he's going to be a guy they have to look to to provide that scoring punch off the bench for sure. Because, um, I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to get it consistently enough from Malik White. So, if Reeves can somehow get that swagger back, that would be huge. Um, you know, he's just got to stop worrying. I, I think I think his defensive liability, I guess, I, I can see that just – it kind of gets into his head, I think, on the offensive side, which sucks. Um, you know, he racks up a decent amount of fouls for the amount of minutes he plays. Um, he gets frustrated with that. He's going to, like, block all that stuff out and get back to being the A.J. Reeves that he was. And a lot of that has to do with Ed Cooley, putting him in better spots, running plays for him, coming off screens, drilling threes. 
Um, you know, Cooley's going to have to play a part in Reeves finding his swagger back. But um, AJ, man, you just got to get that mojo. Got to find it. 2020, that's your goal. Um, moving on to Emmett Holt. Um, you know, given that all that Emmett's been through, I'm just looking for one thing, and that's him to have just one night of where we get that old Emmett Holt back. He's shown a little bit of flash here and there in games and spots. Uh, he was solid against Texas. Um, like I mentioned, he had nine boards. But that, that tough nose, big, that can score around the rim, uh, that can hit the occasional three. Like, if we can just get that for, for just a game, I think that would be pretty awesome to see. It would be a great story because um, the kid's been through a ton um, with the abdominal illness that he had. Um, so Firetown's poem for you. Um, just give us one night. Bring the magic back, Emmett. Um, moving on to the guy that gets the most minutes off the bench. He comes off the bench, but plays about 24 minutes a game, Malik White. Um, I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear that he's not going to be the facilitating point guard on the team. So, it, like, it, it's pretty evident that he's just clearly a scoring guard uh, off the bench, um, provide a little spark offensively. And for him to continue to do that, he's got he's to work on that three-point shot. Um, that should be his goal for 2020. Um, going into the year, he was pretty much viewed as one of our better shooters with Reeves and, you know, you were hoping Pipkins would be, be able to shoot well. Um, but so far for him, it's it's not been great. 29% from deep. Um, he's got to help. He's got to find that range because that's what's going to get him consistent minutes. And again, that's what we need. This team has serious scoring drafts that they go through. And the other guys need to step up. It can't just all be on Alpha Dialog to, to carry a scoring load in David Duke. It can't be. Um, so those guys, Reeves and White, off the bench, they're really going to have to find a way here to turn things around the second half of the season um, and be a nice scoring punch off the bench. And who knows? Maybe that changes starting rotations if they can do that. Maybe Reeves finds himself back in rotation. Um, you know, it, the team has so many different options that they can be flexible with their laps. So, you know, at this point, Reeves and Malik, hopefully they can kind of get their offensive swagger back um, in Biggie's play here. Moving on to Luan Pipkins. Um, the grad transfer from UMass. Obviously, there's a lot of expectations for him coming in. Um, for me, he's actually, I do want to give him credit. Um, you know, people kind of just assume because he's short, he's a bad defender. But let me tell you this that's the one consistent thing about his game so far this year, in my opinion. Um, he's been a sturdy defender. Um, getting steals, diving on the floor. He's actually done a really good job defensively. Um, and you can tell he plays with that that chip on his shoulder defensively because I think people just assume since he's the little point guard, they can take advantage of him. And certainly there have been times where little guards have taken advantage of Pitmans, no doubt. But um, 
I think his defense is a lot better than, than it was advertised. But for him, um, there's going to be two things, Pip. One, you're going to have to facilitate a little bit more. Um, obviously, going into the year, Cooley did stress that. Um, and he's not doing a terrible job. He has 4.7 assists per game, but it, it's it's not going to cut it. Not an Ed Cooley-led uh, offense where your point guard typically averages you know, six and a half assists a game. So, Pip, you got to trust the guys around you. Um and, and, and be a little bit more of a facilitator. Um, in terms of your scoring, we all know you can score, but at this point, you got to stop settling for only threes. It's crazy. Like, you look at his numbers right now, so far on the year, 72 of his 114 shots are from deep. 72. That, that's like, I mean, that, that that's upper 60s percent. And you look at in the years past, last year at UMass, uh, 171 of 360. Even in his breakout year where he was jacking up threes all the time at UMass, it was still 251 out of 530. So that's closer to 50%. He needs to stop settling for threes and start to pick up his game offensively inside the arc, driving to the hoop, you know, taking advantage uh, of his speed. Um, you know, he may be small, but he does have finishing ability around the rim. And like, I, I I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. Like, oh, like he was able to do an A10 because it's the A10. He can't do it in the Beast. No, that, that's like I, I don't buy that narrative at all. He's had good games against great competition in the past. Um, he's just got to stop selling it and start driving the hoop more. And I think his threes will, will come with it. I mean, obviously. At this point, you know, you look at the Texas game, probably his best game offensively as a Friar, and he was drilling threes, uh, hit three or four, including an and one three, which is great. But, I mean, then you have the games where he can't hit anything from deep. So he's got to stop settling for, from, from three and start taking a few more twos here. I think that can only help his game offensively. And not only that, I think that will feed into the assist thing if – you know, if people start to worry about him driving by their man, you know, they may help off, and then he can find a guy in the corner for three. Stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I, I do – I've said this a ton. I, I wish they run more pick-and-roll offense with Pipkins. You know, pick-and-pop maybe with a guy like uh, Emmett Holt where you can have Holt set the screen, have Pip go by, and have him sag out for three. Maybe Pip can throw it back to him. Um, it, Pippen's got to be more than a one-dimensional offensive player where he's just going to be jacking threes. We can't have it. Um, so for him, Pip, facilitate more, stop settling for threes. Those are your goals in 2020. All right, we're, we're moving down the list here. So, so we only got three more guys. Um, but we'll go over to Nate Watson. And for me, this is kind of a simple one. Um, hopefully, Nate can just have a clean bill of health in the year 2020. Um, obviously, he suffered the spring MCL in October. And, you know, it, the timing of the injury really hurt this team, I think. I mean, that's not his fault. Injuries happen. 
and I believe Cleef Young fell into him. Not Cleef Young's fault either. Shit happens. But um, the timing of his injury is what was really brutal. And it was not so much the games missed, but the fact that he had to shake off the rust and get back into playing shape while playing. And fortunately, Cooley felt his hands were tied, couldn't give him a ton of minutes, and the team suffered because of it. I mean, hopefully now we haven't had too many games in the last couple weeks with exams and Christmas. Hopefully now he's back to getting closer and closer to 100% because we're going to need him. Um, I think so far he's shown – you know, a, a lot of what we thought he could be. And that's a one of the more dominant big men in the Big East. Um, we're seeing it. He's starting to score points. Um, got a really nice touch around the rim. He's physical. Um, you know, all the things that, that we talked about going into the year with Nate Watson, we're starting to slowly see come through here. Um, it's funny, even like one of the big <laughs> – one of the big issues when he came back was his free throws. Just got awful. I think he was at like 18% or something crazy. Um, and then he had that game, a Florida game, where not many things went right, but his free throw shooting was pretty good that game. Um, so for him, like he's definitely a talented player. He, you know, you look at next year, he's def- if he's still at PC, he'll for sure be one of the one of the top players in the BEs. So um, for Nate, just stay healthy. All right. Like just stay healthy the remainder of this year and don't get hurt in the beginning, like before the year starts next year. All right. Um, That is my goal. Clean bill health for you. All right. So moving on to the final two guys. Um, Next up, second leading scorer, David Duke Jr. Um, to me, it's pretty simple. He's got to be more aggressive offensively. Um, and here's why. Here's the numbers. 40.8% from the floor. 48.8% from three. 84.4% from the line. Um, you know, Duke, a lot of people thought he was the athlete and you know doesn't really have a good sh- uh, shot. Yet here we are, and he's... PC's most reliable, consistent, best three-point shooter um, at 48.8%. Um, you know, him at the line is such a godsend after watching some of the other guys shoot from the stripe this year. 84% is just such a relief. Um, so that's that's why he needs to be more aggressive offensively because those, those clips are great. And the more he can get the ball up, I think the more – the better chance PC has of scoring consistent points as a team um, and, and not having these games where, where they can't do anything offensively. Um, I mean, it's not like Duke has, has shied away from shooting. He's taken 121 shots so far this year, which would put him behind Diallo, but that's only seven more than Pip. So for me, Duke has got to be a lot more aggressive uh, in Big East play Um and, you know, he's going to be a star in this league, no doubt about it. Um, and part of that at this point, the team needs him. So he's going to need to shoulder the offensive load um, 
for the squad. Um, you know, doesn't have it doesn't have to be him every night in terms of leading leading point getter, but um, we need him in attack mode, searching for his three point shot. Um, need to get, be, have him be aggressive, get to the line, continue his free throws. Um, if we can get that, PC might might be okay here. Because um, I mean, at this point, this point next year. Duke's running the show like it's his team. And it might be his team right now. Um, so, to me, he's got to really grab the bull by the horn here and, and be aggressive. Um, finally, we will finish off with Alpha Diallo. And his is kind of like a four-parter. Um, it is one thing, but it will only happen if he fixes three things that have been going wrong so far. This year for him. So, Alvidal, your New Year's resolution should be to be what people expected from you going into this year, and that's to finish the season first team all-conference. And I know you might say, Mike, like that, you know, that really doesn't matter if we don't win games. And yes, I agree with you. Um, but I think if Duke, or excuse me, if Diallo wants to be all first team all-conference, there are three things that have got to happen, and I think if he does this, it will start to translate your wins for the team. Uh, one, he's got to take care of the ball better. Um, 43 turnovers to 39 assists. Uh, that's 3.3 turnovers a game for him. Um, that's way too much. It's even more than last year. He had like 2.7, and I felt like last year he had way more responsibility um, than he did this year. I mean, there are more guys that can handle the ball compared to last season. So, um, you know, Diallo's got to be way more careful with the basketball. Um, And then you look at his shot selection. He's got to start taking better shots. Like, I'm okay with him taking, you know, one or two, maybe three threes a game, but pick your spots. Um, You know, you probably shouldn't be the one jacking up a three when we're on a run. And like, you're trying, like <laughs> that, that's not your game. How about you go in and try and get an M one. Right. Um, so shot selection for him. And I mean, he doesn't have to shoot as much as he does. Um, you know, like I said, there's talent on this roster. I firmly believe that. Um, so he just needs to have better shot selection. And then finally, the elephant in the room with him. Fix your damn free throws. It's outrageous. Okay, so Alfa Diallo, and keep in mind, he played a lot his freshman year. So he's, he's played a ton of minutes throughout his PC career. All right? Freshman year, 73%. Sophomore year, 73%. Junior year, a little bit of a downtick at 67%. He is shooting 54%. From the line this year. Like, that can't... Like, how is that happening? I, he, he's got to be focused more. I, I think, personally, you know, his stroke isn't a problem. Like, he's had the same stroke all four years. I, I, I mean, I'm not a shooting coach. Maybe his mechanics are different, but looks the same to me. To me, I, I think he just rushes at the line a little too much. Um, where he's got to settle in. Line up, 
control your free throws. I know it's easier said than done, but like 54%, come on. Like, can't happen. And on top of that, he gets the line a shitload. So those are a ton of points being left off the table. So I, I personally just think if Diallo, I think that should be his goal to finish first team all conference. But in order for him to do that, he's got to do those three things. And in turn, that will help us win more games. Uh, but yeah, those are my New Year's resolutions. Um, you know what? I might as well just throw one in there for Cooley as well. Um, for Ed Cooley, I would just say, don't be so stubborn. Don't be so stubborn in terms of who you want to play, who you trust, who you don't trust. Like, if something's not working, make changes. Um, the, the new year, that's what it's all about, right? Like, New Year's resolutions, that's what the whole thing is. If you don't like something, fix it. Um, and Cooley's got to do a better job of that. Um, because, I mean, I think a lot of it definitely has to do with the players, but at the same time, coaches got to coach them up as well. Um, and I... You know, Cooley may not be the best X's and O's coach, but I think he's a good a good coach in terms of getting his guys ready to play. And at times, he's pretty good at making adjustments too. Um, but he, he's got to do a better job and not just not be so stubborn. You know, if Diallo's playing like shit, bench him. Just do it. I know he's your, your senior leader or whatever, but, like, you just got to – if he's playing poorly, if he's hurting the team, take him out. Um, I mean, that same goes for really all, all the players, Pipkins. Um, so Cooley's stubbornness. If you can be a little less stubborn this year, I think I think we'll we'll turn this thing around. But that is all I got. Um, like I said, episode will air on Wednesday. Uh, PC plays at home against Georgetown, New Year's Eve at 530. Um I'm a game time decision for that game. I have to work, but if I can get out early, maybe I head down. Not sure. If not, I'll be watching it with some buddies. But, um, but yeah, enjoy the games, everyone. Go Friars. We'll see you next week. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, Cross over, I might go to LEU. Let's take them back to school PC, you know we on go, ayy Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh Cross over, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me while I take them back to school Man up in my city